What's up everyone? This is Mayowa, your host, and you are listening to the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuffs online from the scratch, solving problems and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these amazing six-figure entrepreneurs to share their entrepreneurial journeys, the ideas, the opportunities, the strategy they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. And now, let's get the show started. Hi everyone, my name is Mayowa and I'm your host on the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast, uh, that podcast where I always like to have awesome conversations with uh, six, seven, eight figures entrepreneur to tell their story, to uh, talk about their expertise and also to uh, give inspirations and motivation out there to the entrepreneurial world. And on this episode of this podcast, I've got another amazing entrepreneur and uh, I, I, I can call her a very special guest on this show and I'm super excited to have this conversation with her. And before we get the show started, I will just pass the mic to her. Thompson, we introduce herself, tell us a bit about our business and what she's up to, then we get the show rolling. Sure. So I'm Tamsin Webster. Uh, after 25, 30 years now in brand and message strategy, I am most often think of myself as a message strategist. Uh, I help experts translate what they do into language that anyone can understand. Um, I do that because I really believe that we can help people make and maintain transformational change with our ideas, with our businesses, our products and services. Um, so I've spent uh, a lot of time working on that. I turned that into a book that I published last year. I've, uh, worked with speakers in TEDx and gotten seven of those promoted to TED.com. Um, but mostly I think it comes down to the fact that that kind of English to English translator and coming down to helping people understand what it is that they do in a way that people can, can really appreciate. Um, that's the work. I work with a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of individual experts and founders. Uh, and it really comes down to the idea that the best way to make an idea irresistible, the best way to build a message that people want to listen to comes down to building the stories people will tell themselves about them. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this show. And I'm super stoked to have this conversation with you and entrepreneurs listening uh, to this episode. If you are listening to this out there, this is one episode you should not miss. And uh, Tamsa and I will be talking about our journey and also how to create a core message for business owner. If you are a coach, you are a consultant, or you are a service provider out there. And I believe this episode will be a lot of value for you. So uh, Tamsa, to get things uh, started, can you just give us the background story into how you became an entrepreneur? Sure. So I was, it was one of those classic, <laughs> I think sometimes classic examples of when you get pushed out into entrepreneurship, maybe before you were quite ready to do so. Um, I had been working with another company, which I honestly thought was going to be my last job that I thought I was with a company that I was going to be working with forever. Uh, it was a, it was a boutique sales messaging kind of training and development company. Uh, and we had gotten into some you know, individual consulting and a fair amount of work with folks on TEDx. And I had some ideas about how to incorporate more storytelling and story structure into our work. Uh, and we had a strategic planning meeting. Uh, I remember this, we all went out and we had a strategic planning meeting. We talked about what the next phase of the business would be. A lot of it was built on my intellectual property 
And then when the conversation turned to, so then what would my compensation for that contribution be? What kind of equity would I have in the company? The, you know, my boss at the time was like, well, none that you're just, you work for me and therefore all of this would belong to me. And that was the point I was like, mm. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm that I don't like the sound of that deal. And so, um, you know, on good terms, I, I I resigned and said, no, I think that this is, you know, if this is strong enough to build your business on, essentially, I think it's strong enough to build mine on. Um, and so yeah, I went from thinking I was going to be, you know, that I was working my last job to suddenly figuring out how to you know, turn this into a business and and not, you know, not copy any of the intellectual property where I just was. You know, that was a that really happened in the space of about three or four weeks. Uh, so it was it was it was fast <laughs> the the move. Um, it was unexpected. Uh, but now six plus years later, it definitely was the right one. Okay, uh, that's a very beautiful story. And uh, right now, from that time to now, you have seen a lot, you have went through a lot, I believe you have faced challenges and uh, you have had wins and uh, you have had those times when you'll be like, oh God, what did I just, uh, what did just happen? And all through this journey of yours, uh, what is two big lessons that you learn across your entrepreneurial journey that you like to share with our listeners? Hmm. So, Oh, so many, so many lessons about the entrepreneurial journey. Um, I think one of the big ones, and it's definitely one that other entrepreneurs ask me about, is the importance of setting boundaries, both for yourself and, in my case, with my clients. Um, yeah, I've got very... I mean, part of that is because I, I came to being an entrepreneur fairly late in my life and in my career. So I, I, yeah, I'm 48 now. So I did this one started when I was 42. Um, and the benefit of that was that I had a real strong understanding of how I, you know, how I worked best, what kinds of projects I work best on, what kinds of relationships I like to have with clients, when in the day I tend to tend to work best, um, how important it was for me to be able to do things like see my kids and interact with my spouse and things like that. And so when I started my own company, I really saw it as an opportunity to take all of those things that I had learned about my work style and put them into practice. And so uh, as boundaries. So for instance, I don't, you know, unless it's a, a kind of an emergency, I don't take any meetings with clients before 10 AM. Um, and most of the time I don't take any outward facing clients, uh, client calls until 11. Um, like, you know, we are recording this podcast at 11 AM and that's because I preserve the first couple hours of my day uh, for creative work, for the work that, uh, I do best in the morning. And so I decided not to give that away. Um, I also don't typically do client calls uh, in the last hour of my day uh, because it was really important for me to be able to just take care of all the administrative stuff that piles up over the course of the day so that I could ease into my non-work part of the day without that stuff hanging over me. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons for me is really is having an awareness of where I where and how I work well and then setting up the boundaries of my business in order to do that. Okay. Yeah. So the second big lesson, and we can come back to it, but the second big lesson is to um was to uh hire 
outside people for their guidance and expertise. And, and, um, you know, there's really two people that come to mind with that. One is, uh, I have a business coach named Pamela Slim and, uh, she's been instrumental in the success of my business. Um, but I also have an outsourced CFO named Wendy Hall and she absolutely has been instrumental to the business. So those are the two things, boundaries, outside help. Wow, that's that's a very new angle of saying things that you just shared with us uh, on this show. And uh, thank you so much for that. So, uh, Samson, right now in your business, can you share with us uh, for our listeners out there to get to know you and to get to know the core of your business? Can you share with us the structure of your business? You already mentioned you have an outside CFO and uh, you have a business code. Can you just briefly share with us uh, the structure of your business and revenue-wise, uh, where are you in 2022? Okay, like hard numbers? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. So the structure of my business is, so I think of uh, a good friend of mine, Neen James, um, God, does I forget for Matthew church, I think is his name, um, out of Australia, but she talks about the difference between, you know, thinking of your company as a company or as a practice. Um, and that is one of the early decisions that an entrepreneur can make about whether or not they're, it's a company that they're intending to grow and to scale or whether or not it's a practice, think like a law practice or a consulting practice. Um, so for me, it's definitely consulting practice. Uh, I, I am the main consultant. I am the, the, the principal, uh, I am the only full-time employee, uh, but I have a team of folks <laughs> that, that, uh, that work with me. So, um, I have a, I have a woman who is about, uh, three quarters time. Um, she's on my payroll, uh, but she, she's essentially my director of business operations. She, she runs, you know, she's my chief of staff. She kind of, she is the coordinator of all the other people that work with me. She is, um, she does a lot of my right marketing writing and drafting. She does a lot of our uh, planning for email campaigns and those kinds of things. And she coordinates all the other people who work with me. Um, I have somebody who works uh, several hours a month uh, doing social, uh, getting our newsletter, getting my newsletter uh, posted and sent out and loaded up and all of that. Uh, I write it, but she posts it and gets it coordinated. Uh, I have somebody who works uh, 10 hours a week and she, her exclusive focus is on scheduling clients and on kind of client account management. Um, I have a, a two person team out of Canada that, that produces my videos when I'm in video production mode. So they, you know, those are, you know, a couple hours a month that they work on that, um, then I have my business coach, as I mentioned, um, that I meet with usually once a month or so. And then my outsourced CFO, who uh, I meet with every other week. And she and her team do all my bookkeeping, all my financials. Um, I talk through major expense decisions with her. Um, you know, She helps me figure out like you know, compensation and, and when it was the right time to bring my chief of staff as an, on as employee, for example. So all of that. So it's me plus, you know, <laughs> a lot of part-time people, like two primary part-time people, like my calendar person, Laura, and my uh, chief of staff, you know, business manager, Jen. Um, and then everybody else is just a few hours here and there, but otherwise it's me. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing it all. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a very common uh, thing for us entrepreneurs to have a very lean uh, team 
Uh, yes. The world is a very lovely place now. Like you can have teams uh, in far away Indian, Philippines, US, Mexico, yep. and just name it across the world. And you might just be doing your thing uh, in your bedroom or even uh, in your sitting room. And that is the beauty of what we have as entrepreneurs. Uh, so Samsa, right now in your business, who are the people you serve mostly and also for entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs out there listening to us uh the stage is yours now just give us like five minutes masterclass on how to create the right call message for creative <laughs> entrepreneurs that are listening okay to us Woo, all right let's see what i could do all right and also i never answered your revenue question so my revenue goal for this my goal for this year unofficial goal is half a million us dollars um uh i am close to on track for that uh, if I go year over year, um, it looks like, you know, I may be, I may fall a little short, but it looks like I'm heading for my, for my best year ever. And it looks like it should net out, uh, well, I should say, you know, the gross revenue should, should at least top 400 this year. Um, so who I mostly serve, uh, I, 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 I serve experts is how I like to think about it. Um, and more specifically, any expert who has to translate an idea, either theirs or somebody else's. So what that really means, though, is I, I tend to work with um, B2B folks, folks who serve other companies or who who kind of don't really have a direct to consumer aspect. Uh, a lot of startups, a lot of uh, mission based and um, impact based startups. So do a lot of work with. Uh, sustainability, e-mobility, um, energy—you know, just things that help our planet and our climate. Uh, and uh, I also work with a fair number of speakers and authors, experts as well. Um, but my my preference—the reason why I work with so many—I think sustainability-focused startups—is that um, they often need what I do the most. Uh, in that, you know, there these are highly complex solutions oftentimes uh designed to to help solve highly complex problems and that's often a very difficult message for folks to get across not just because oftentimes they have a, a technical engineering um academic background and so therefore they tend to rely on technical engineering or academic language to talk about all of that um but also because those ideas, you know, I, they just have the power of, of changing the world, even if it's just one person's. And I, that to me is really important in, in part of my work. So, okay. You asked for a five minute masterclass. On yeah. Message. <laughs> I've been sure. waiting for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, so the, 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 if, if you do nothing else, uh, you, then it's important to start your core message needs to be anchored in a question that your audience is asking that your product or service can answer. So for instance, one of my clients, you're sure they make uh, medical tests and diagnostics. Um, you know, they, they answer the question, how can we keep people on critical medications longer? Now there's all sorts of, I mean, it, it can be a question like, how can we improve, you know, revenue from this particular thing? Or how can we get our team more engaged? Or how can we more sustainably 
plant trees in the forest or how can we understand where animals go in the ocean? Um, but the, the real key is to say, is to think of it in the terms of what your audience is asking, not the question you wish they asked, not the question that you know you actually answer. It's the, what question do they ask right now? And that's important because that, that helps them understand how your message is relevant to them. And it shows right away that in your, in your message that you've got something that they want. The other, so if I'm giving the super quick version of it, so your message needs to contain that. It needs to contain something that your audience actively wants right now. And again, the fastest way to find that is to identify a question your audience is asking. So that's something that they want. And then the other piece that needs to be part of your core message is a means to get what they want that is something they haven't heard before. Um, so I like to say something that they want via a means they don't expect. Now, the trick with this is that that means they don't expect has to be something they still intuitively understand. So again, back to my client, you're sure would say the key to keeping, you know, we help keep uh, people on critical medications longer by turning the effects of those medications that they can't feel into results they can see right in their doctor's office. Now, you notice I don't say that like we create medical diagnostics or they create simple tests, um, but it's it's that core message is always that question, you know, that relevant question, unexpected answer. Um, now I'm gonna, it sounds straightforward, um, but I don't recommend that you start by trying to get to that, that quick version. Uh, you actually have to find out and do some other work first, which is obviously what my book is about. Um, but ultimately that's what a core message should have. It should be one sentence, preferably 140 characters or less that contains something your audience wants by a means they don't expect. Okay. Uh, Tom said, look, just let's use uh, the, your personal example. So uh, can you just share with us what your own uh, core message is uh, with the format you just gave us? Sure. My own core message is that the best way to make your ideas irresistible is to build the story people will tell themselves about it. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, lovely. And listeners out there, you have uh, I, I believe you have caught one or two uh, value bombs from what Adam said just shared with us. Uh, for you, if you don't have a core message right now, I will go back home and I will try to listen to this episode again and try to uh, see what I can do based on the format Adam said just shared with us. Uh, so thank you so much for that uh, brief masterclass. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so we'll still talk about your book down the line because I'm keeping that uh, for a later part. Uh, but we love stories so much on this uh, show. And uh, one core thing, apart from uh, when you get your right messaging and when you get to the right offer, when you uh, have all those packages and all those offerings, without those clients coming in, nothing surely will happen and there is no business to even go back home to. So can you just share with us the story of how you got your first client and uh, what are the marketing channels that are working well for you to bring those clients in for your business? Sure. Well, the, I'll answer the second part first. Uh, my business is almost exclusively, I mean, well, before the book, it was almost exclusively word of mouth. Um, and that's very much how I got my first client. So that there are folks who knew me when I was working for the sales messaging 
company, um, but also knew me as a speaker uh, at generally marketing conferences, things like that. And also knew that I was the executive producer of TEDx Cambridge, which is the oldest uh, locally organized TED Talk event in the world. And so I had folks that knew that I did this kind of work. And so when I let my network know that I was going out on my own, there were folks who kind of immediately said, oh, I've got something coming up. Will you help me with that? Um, and that's really very much how it started. Um, you know, and those folks, you know, those folks who knew me would send people to me. And, you know, I was very grateful that folks who knew me from other points of my career also just seemed to reach out and say, oh, now that you're on your own, can you help us do this, that, or the other thing? Can you help us build this message? Can you help us uh, figure out this presentation? Can you help our team um, present better? Like there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I started with. So when I first started, I was still really trying to figure out exactly what it was that I wanted to do and who I wanted to focus on. So um, really even for the first year, my focus was on was on speaking was on I was on helping companies um, use speaking uh, as a strategic advantage to use it as another form of content marketing. Um, and I just I found over and over again that where people found the most value and where I found the most value uh, was in helping people figure out and not just like build a talk or present it, but really help them figure out what the idea was in the first place. What what really was that that core message um, that held the power of their idea or their organization? So, um, word of mouth and doing a good job, <laughs> um, because you know it turns out that if you do a good job, even if it's you know five, ten, in certain cases, fifteen or twenty years earlier, people came back to me and said. Hey, I remember that you did this. Do you still do that? Or can you do that for us? And it really just built out from there. Okay. I, I think uh, you are very, very right with what you said. And personally, let me just uh, keep this in. You know, yesterday I was having this conversation with a prospective client and uh, he was asking me, how does it, how does it, how is it like working with me and my team out? I just remember, you know what, I don't need to talk much. I, you know, I already have clients I'm working with. So why not introduce uh, my present client to uh, with my prospective client and let them have a conversation and uh, let them hear from uh, someone who is already satisfied. And the reason why I was able to do that is because I had a very lovely relationship with the, best, uh, the clients I've worked with and I've done a very good job for them. And they are happy with what... Uh, they are doing with me and with that they are, are willing to talk about it uh, to people who ask them and that was how that introduction went and uh, with what you said when you have done a very good job uh, the rest is easy people will keep telling uh, themselves oh you know what i work with this person and uh it's a very awesome and when they have the same problem like uh those people it's very it's a very easy sell for them to uh, just reach out to you and just say, okay, you know what, you have done this for my friend, then I want the same result. I, uh, just to collaborate on what you said, listeners out there, whatever you are doing, do a very good job and you just <laughs> see that people keep talking about you and those referrals will keep coming in and your business will grow bigger, just like our Tamsel has uh, mentioned and uh, talked about. Yeah, any addition to that, Tamsel? Yeah, I, I think, well, just, just a 
I mean, I, that works particularly well, I think for service-based business, which is mine is, you know, I, it's consulting. I, I, I don't, I don't have a product, you know, per se. Um, and I think that, you know, I do a lot of things that like recording podcasts like this, for instance, that work as, as, um, kind of extensions of word of mouth. So I do have people who reach out to me now because they've heard me on a podcast or they've seen me speak somewhere, um, or increasingly because they have found or read my book or someone recommended my book to them. Um, so that, that's, a that, that continues to be a particular, you know, an active aspect of it, but that's, I think, you know, the appearances on podcasts and speaking and, you know, if, if appropriate, you know, writing, you know, publishing in a certain way, whether that's, that's on your blog or, you know, some other form of content, um, like a book, I think that that's uh, a way of getting yourself out there that can work for you, regardless of whether or not you're a product or service-based business, um, but it, it really does come down to what you do well. And it's one of the reasons why I really encourage people. I mean, it can be really tempting to say, oh, but I could make a lot of money doing this thing. But if you're really good at doing this other thing, I'm going to suggest that long-term, you're going to make more money doing the thing that you're actually really good at than the thing that could just make you money. Because you're going to have the passion uh, and the dedication and the perseverance for the thing that you're really good at. Um, and it's possible that you do it better than anybody else. And so, you know, that's, you know, whenever I'm talking to somebody who is looking for a career advice or thinking about where they want to go in their career, um, I would always recommend that you go with where you're strong, um, not always necessarily where the market is strong, because I've just found that when you're really strong at what you do, you start to build a market around you. And I think that that's, you know, it's certainly the case for me. I do a very, very, very focused thing. Um, I, I, I work with companies on developing that core message. Uh, I help speakers and authors figure out what their big idea actually is. And that's kind of it. Like that's where I stop because there's lots of other people who are you know, equally good in their own way at, you know, coming up with what are the marketing materials based on that or with creating the, the you know, writing the talks or writing the books that come afterwards. Uh, I just really like the idea piece. And so now, you know, it's so well known that that's what I do is that when, even when somebody further up that chain, let's say there's somebody who's a book coach um, or somebody who's a speech coach, or, you know, I get, I do a lot of work with startup accelerators. Um, you know, in fact, one of my best clients is a startup accelerator who they found me because of word of mouth for someone who had worked with me when I was at a different company. Um, they were looking for somebody who could help their companies really articulate their core message. And so that's what, you know, that person immediately thought of me because I didn't do a whole bunch of things. I did, I do one thing really, really well. And that has just very much paid off for me. And I've seen that kind of approach really pay off for other people as well. Yeah, that's very right. So uh, let's talk about your book, Tamsel. And uh, your book title is Find Your Red Thread, Make Your Big Idea Irresistible. Give us like a shameless plug uh, about that book. Um, well, as I, you've already heard, you've already heard the quick summary of it. So I actually start the book by saying that the book could have been one sentence that the best, you know, the best way to make your big idea is irresistible is to build the story people tell themselves about it. Uh, but the quick version of it is 
um, is to think of it this way. So most of us, whether, whether, you know, particularly your audience, entrepreneurs, you want people to act on your idea. You want them to hire you or buy the product or adopt a new way of thinking. And what often happens is that we get so wrapped up in what we want to say about our idea that we don't pay as much attention to what somebody actually needs to hear in what we say in order for that idea to be understandable to them, agreeable to them, in fact, irresistible to them. But there is something that all of us as humans, you know, there is a structure of information that all of us use when we make sense of new information. And that is the structure of story, not just once upon a time stories, but how those stories are actually structured, where you know we establish a goal, where we know something that somebody wants uh, and doesn't yet have, and then there's a problem that gets in the way, and then there's a truth that makes inaction impossible because it puts the goal in jeopardy, and then there's a change that that happens because because of the truth, and is whether or not somebody gets that goal that they want, and then there's you know actions that that come from that change, which is how do you actually put that shift in thinking or behavior into, into place? When we put any information into that structure of story, we are able to translate basically any idea into the form, the language and the concepts that anyone can understand. So the book is not only what that structure is, but how to do that with your own idea. Okay. Uh, one thing I just want to mention from the book, you mentioned eight threads. Can you just tell us about those eight threads and uh, briefly and what they are about so that listeners can understand, uh, have a brief uh, summary of what that is all about before picking up a copy? About which things? I'm sorry, I just didn't understand. What, yeah, eight what was the threads. question again? Eight threads. You mentioned eight threads uh, in that book. Eight threads? Yeah. Eight red threads. No, there's not eight. Thre- no, there's. Oh, I see what you're saying. I have eight examples in the book. Um, there's only, you know, a, a red thread, as I describe it, is, you know, the story that you tell yourself that about something that makes it make sense. And so I have eight examples of red threads in the book, but really a red thread just has those five components that I just talked about. So any red thread has a goal, a problem, a truth, a change and an action. Um, so any core message or core, like, like larger explanation of your idea, any case that you're making for your company or your idea should have those five elements in it. Goal, problem, truth, change, action. So there's really only one red thread, uh, as far as I define it, but in the book, I walk through eight running examples. Okay. All right. And by the way, you are, your book has a very beautiful cover and I can smell that from afar as a book coach. Uh, so listeners out there, uh, Tamsa's book is available on Amazon, Baz and, Obu, uh, Baz and Noble, bookshop.org, and in, on almost every other uh, bookstore out there. And a link to the book will be uh, put in the show notes for this episode. Just head straight to www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com uh, and search for Tamsa in the search bar, and the show note for this episode will pop right up. So Tamsa, still talking about book. What is one book apart from your book? that you have read that has made a lot of impact in your business that you like to recommend to our listeners? 
Sure. So one of the books, so one of my favorite books is a book called Magic Words, uh, and it's by an author named Tim David, who I'm delighted to say is now a friend. And it's about eight words uh, that we use, particularly in English, that that have extraordinary power in uh, how you talk about things. So words like someone's name or the word but, as in, you know, uh, I'd love to do this, but I can't. And how different it can be if you say I can't, but I would love to. Um, how what kind of shift that that can have? I just I really love that book because it is uh, short, uh, to the point, and massively um, useful in work that anybody who speaks <laughs> or writes or communicates in any way can do. So that's one of my favorites: "Magic Words" by Tim David. Okay, that's the first time I'll be uh, a guest on this show will be mentioning that book. And uh, I think it will make a very good read. Listeners out there, a link to this book, you can get it by uh, in the show notes for this episode. Just head straight to www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com and search for Tamsal in the search bar and the show notes will pop up. So uh, let's now uh, transition into the quick question around where I have to ask you some quick, uh, quick question, then you get back to me with answers. Is that fine? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. What is one thing that you have done in your business that gave you a very big win? Hiring the outside CFO. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, think... I swear I, we would not, I would not have made, I don't think I would have made it through the pandemic without her. And, and, um, and related to that, uh, I know this is giving you a second answer. Um, part of that work was adopting the profit first model of managing the money in my business. So profit first based on the book by Mike Michalowicz. Um, I, that book, oh my gosh, that book saved my company. And I, I think any, any entrepreneur should be operating from a profit first model. So that was two answers for one. <laughs> okay, I think we now have a second book recommendation. For yes, you do. So profit first, Mike Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, all right. It's uh, really good. Really all right, good. I will include uh, a link to that book also in the show notes for this episode. Uh, so Tamsel, what is one superpower that you think you've got that has contributed to your winning in business? The ability to... Uh, instantly translate what someone is saying into a concept that somebody else could other can understand. So I, I tend when anyone's talking to kind of almost like, you know, like Aesop's fables, like the tortoise and the hare and you know how each of those stories has a moral, has a lesson at the end, like the tortoise and the hare is slow and steady wins the race. I find that without even realizing it, that when I'm hearing somebody talk, particularly if they're talking very technically, that I'm, I'm pulling out what is the bigger concept? What's the bigger idea from that? And um, since that's what people hire me to do, <laughs> that's, that's been very helpful in my yeah. life. That's not a surprising superpower anyway, uh, due to the fact uh, of what the nature of what you do as an entrepreneur. So uh, you've talked about your superpower and we are all human. We have weaknesses, we have strengths. So what is one area that you have struggled with a lot in business and what, uh, do you, what are you doing to address that area? So I struggle a lot with unrealistic expectations of what I can get done in the time that I have. <laughs> uh, I am definitely a perfectionist uh, by nature. And that means that a lot of times I spend in this state of I'm behind, I have too much to do. I've got, you know, I, I how am I ever going to catch up? 
Um, forgetting, of course, a couple things. One is, is that as an entrepreneur, all of those deadlines are self-inflicted. And so any of them can be renegotiated. Um, and second, and this has been a much more recent realization that how I feel about something doesn't actually affect the outcome. <laughs> and so I can either just sit and stew and feel, you know, stressed about something and feel like I'm behind, or I can reframe that and look at it and say, no, I have, I've made the choices that I've made for a good reason. These things can get renegotiated and I would much rather feel a different way you know, I can either get the same amount of, I'm going to get the same amount of things done regardless. And I can either feel really stressed about that, or I can feel calm about that. Um, and so it's trying to really moving towards that calmness that I'm, I'm working on. And, um, yeah. And that's where having a therapist helps. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I'm working on. Yeah. I, I always like to say something, uh, Hire away your uh, weakness or let's say outsource your weakness. Whatever things I'm not good at, I just try to find someone who can help me with that or someone uh, who can do uh, that thing for me. Uh, so Tamsel, outside of business, who exactly is Tamsel? Who is who am I outside of business? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am the uh, I am a, I am a, a proud and happy spouse to my husband, uh, Tom Webster, who is uh, in actually in the podcasting space. So he is a partner in a company called Sounds Profitable, which exists to help um, people uh, really maximize what they can do with and for podcasting. Um, I am a dog mom, so I've got a I've got a retired racing greyhound named Walnut who takes a lot of my time. Which, but he's awesome. Uh, I have uh, I there's nothing in the order here <laughs> because um, I also have two I have two sons, so they're 12 and 14. So I'm also a mom mom. Um, they live with their dad uh, for for much of the week, so that's that's you know, and, and the dog is here all the time, so that's why they're in that order. Um, but definitely, mom mom is more important to me that as a role than dog mom. But other than that, I love to travel. Um, I'm a big fan of puzzles uh, and mystery novels, so I do the I do a New York Times crossword puzzle nearly every day. That I've kind of gotten out of the habit. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I consume, a, I think a mystery, probably one to two mystery novels a week. Okay. Uh, listeners out there, I think, uh, Thompson deserve a round of applause as a mompreneur. And <laughs> I always, I always like to uh, give kudos, more kudos to women who are actually doing well in business like Thompson is doing, because I know, uh, I have a mom, I have a wife, I have sisters who are entrepreneurs and I understand that. Being able to uh, do well in business and also see uh, take care of your own front is a big deal. Uh, that uh, sometimes, as a man, I always like to. Uh, you know what? Uh, women are really, really trying. And uh, whenever I have guests who are women and they are doing fine on this show, I always like to give them those kudos. So, listeners out there, a big kudos to Tamsel for being a wonderful entrepreneur. Thank you. All right. Uh, so. What is one question that you wish I asked you that I haven't asked? Oh my gosh. Um, gosh, I, that's a great, it is a, that is a great and thought provoking question. Uh, what do the, did you not ask that I wish you'd asked? Um, yeah, I, it, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, you know, I think 
okay. So here's a question. A question would be um, like, why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't I start sooner um, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, what advice would I like, was there anything that I would have heard that would have made me attempt entrepreneurship sooner? Um, and I would say the reason why I didn't start entrepreneurship sooner, though I'm glad again that I waited as long as I did, was that I really didn't have confidence that I would succeed at it. And as a perfectionist, that <laughs> that was not awesome. Uh, but as I said before, like when I actually had to become an entrepreneur, I really didn't have a choice. Like I just, I needed to, I needed to see if I could do it. Um, and that's where the advice came in because I talked to someone, um, a, a great woman named Carrie Wilkerson, who herself has a, as a book on entrepreneurship called the barefoot, uh, barefoot executive, I think is what she calls it. And she said to me, Tamsin, if anywhere you've ever worked, your standards have been higher than the people you worked for, then you will always be successful as an entrepreneur. And when she said that to me, I said back to her that I wish I had heard that like five or 10 years earlier, um, because I agree with her now having done that, that that is true. Cause that's certainly the case that I would say that I, I definitely, anytime, anywhere I've worked, I've always felt that my standards for myself and for my work, or even for the organization were always higher than the people that I work for. And you know, her thought was that if that's the case, then you're never going to be in you're never in danger of failing as an entrepreneur because you're just, you're never going to let yourself like you just won't. Um, and, and that's, and that sounds like kind of a little bit of magical thinking, but it's true. Like if, if, you know, she said, you know, the people that she's concerned about who think entrepreneurship is, you know, sitting around in their PJs every day and not getting to, you know, you know, and doing like an hour of work here or there, you know, and these are people who also did that when they work for companies and probably got in trouble for it. You know, those are the people who tend not to be as successful. So um, I think that that was, even though it came after I had already decided to become an entrepreneur, it was probably the best piece of you know, advice or mentorship about being an entrepreneur that I still have ever heard. Um, that idea that, you know, if your standards are higher than anyone that you've ever worked with, you're going to be fine. Yeah, that's uh, a very lovely tip. And for factor in terms of, I just looked up uh, what you just mentioned, the barefoot uh executive he's a yes. 1971 american comedy film uh, have you have you watched that movie it was a movie i don't think so no <laughs> okay i was thinking it was a book <laughs> yeah it was definitely a book um is it yeah barefoot executive carrie wilkerson um yeah the ultimate guide for being let's see oh oh shoot it should be there um Unless it came off of yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing two movies here, 1971 and 1995 movie, uh, an American comedy film. No, isn't that funny? Oh no, it's there. So on Amazon, you can find it. It's the Barefoot Executive: The Ultimate Guide for Being Your Own Boss and Achieving Financial Freedom. Oh, so that's Carrie. Okay, yeah, I think uh, the film got uh, <laughs> on my own search engine. Yeah, the film uh, that film got uh, the book buried down the. Oh no. Uh, yeah. So that's, that, that's Carrie. Yeah. She wrote that book. Um, and I don't know if that piece of advice is in that book or not, honestly. Um, but I just, I remember that when she, you know, she, she and I had that conversation, I don't know, probably had to have been less than six months after I started the, started my business. And it just, it actually relieved an extraordinary amount of fear that I had. I mean, I think the first probably two years at least of being 
an executive, you know, an entrepreneur, I think you're in a, in a fairly constant state of what I would call excited, terrified, where you're like half excited, like half terrified. Um, but I mean, talking with her, it's not that I didn't feel any less excited, terrified. It was just that I felt more confident that I would, I would still do okay. Right. I like, for me, I was worried that I was going to feel this way and do all this work and it wasn't going to work. Um, but you know, there's, there's nothing like some success to prove to you that you can have success. Um, and even though, you know, in the beginning of any business, those wins are small. Every time you do that, every time you get through a month without like losing money, every time you close a new client, every time you get a new understanding of how you work or what the market wants, um, you, you improve. And so, you know, it's, it's crazy to me now to think like six years ago, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was charging 10% of what I charge now for the same service. Um, and, but that's, you know, that's, that's where, you know, that was a, that was a constant evolution for me of understanding what my value was and also what the market would bear and where I needed to be priced so that I could maintain those boundaries that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, we all have, we all always have that uh that initial doubt and uh you know can I do this? Who am I to do this? And uh, when I started it, uh, this podcast, I have a lot of doubt and I failed three times before uh in podcasting before this podcast and uh, you know those voices keep coming to me. You know what? You fail again and you will never even pass the twenty eighth episode and. You know, those robots, yeah, I might today having this awesome conversation with entrepreneurs like Tamsay and a whole lot of other entrepreneurs I've had conversation with on this. And I'm super excited about it. I'm always happy jumping on uh, that call to uh, listening to the story that uh, my guests are sharing. And I think uh, it's a very lovely thing that I've got to understand along the line that we don't need to uh, figure out it, everything uh, when we get started. And those voices that will keep coming to us, we just need to keep doing and keep proving that voice wrong because that's what I always tell myself. You know what? You, this voice, whatever name you are, you are wrong and I'll prove you wrong. And I think that is exactly what is happening right now. Excellent. Yeah, I think that that's, I, you know, what else can you do except keep trying? And I think it's it's the willingness to keep trying that is another mark of a, of a potentially successful entrepreneur. Um, if you don't, another boss of mine used to say, like, no one will ever be more excited about your content, your your business, your idea than you are. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, and I think that's really important. And it goes back to what I was saying before about do something that you're really passionate about and something you're really good at, because if you can't be excited about it, your clients, customers, audiences never will be. They'll know because no one will ever be as excited about something as you are. Um, so that means that you need to start with something for which you can establish that bar pretty high. Um, and I think, you know, no one, I mean, it's probably not accurate to say that no one's going to ever have more confidence because I know as all, you know, all of us as entrepreneurs have probably had those moments where, you know, we've had a, a friend or a partner or a spouse or whatever, or a parent or somebody who has, you know, in those moments had more faith than we did in something. Um, but I think fundamentally there, that's why I like the idea of excitement. Um, and that, you know, if you're excited about what you're doing, um, there is a point at which that, that becomes 
you can't hide that that becomes infectious to other people and and that ends up being part of your success as well yeah in in short like if you are not if we are not really betting on ourselves who else will bet on us i think we're the right. best we are the best person to bet on ourselves and if you are not doing that we won't expect anybody to be betting on us i think that's just something up. uh so tamsa it's been wonderful having this conversation with you if our listeners out there want to reach out to you and want to connect with you where can you find you online and connect with you uh, best place to find me again, centralized is at tamsinwebster.com. I know you'll link to that in the show notes yeah, because sure. not everyone's heard the name, uh, but I am the only Tamsin Webster in the universe. So uh, at least online. So that's, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, otherwise from a social standpoint, while I am on multiple platforms, I'm probably most active on Twitter, um, and LinkedIn, though I've kind of taken the summer off to be honest. Um, but Twitter and LinkedIn are definitely where I get, where I keep my, keep my attention the most okay listeners out there for the past uh 50 minutes I, I i think this episode will be the longest i've ever had in the history of this show and i wish it it won't just end because i'm enjoying myself and i believe listeners out there you have got a lot of value from my conversation with uh Tamsel. so Tamsel, thank you so much for jumping with me on this call for sharing your story for sharing your expertise i've had a lot of fun uh having this conversation with you and just like I always like to do uh, to all my guests, I celebrate you, I salute you for keeping the entrepreneurial fire burning and for being that source of motivation for mompreneurs out there and even for entrepreneurs out there who are trying to get to where you are today. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, listeners out there, all the links uh, that uh, Tamsa mentioned, and it, she mentioned a lot of books and every book she mentioned you can find a link to it on the show note for this episode just head straight to www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com search for tamson in the search bar that is t-a-m-s-e-n and the show note for this episode will pop right up so this is where i'll be saying goodbye i wish i didn't do, have to do this but i have to go so until next time when i bring another awesome entrepreneur like tamson uh to be a guest on this show my name is Mayo, and I always tell you to always keep the entrepreneurial fire burning. Catch you next time. All right, Tamsa, thanks so much uh, for this conversation. I really enjoy myself, and I believe our listeners out there are enjoying it more than I do. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was uh, lovely to have a chat with you, Mayo. Yeah, same me as well. Uh, so uh, when the episode uh, is live, I will send you an email and... Uh, also, uh, video snippets uh, of important topics and discussion we are doing the uh, interview will be oh, great. We okay, that Super. As well. Okay, all right. So do have a lovely day and uh, talk to you soon. All right, take care. You too. All right, bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. For more episodes and the show notes for this episode, visit www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com. And I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes if this episode has been of value to you. See you next time on another episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And until then, keep building and keep the entrepreneurial fire burning.